We are so grateful you're with us as we dive in together again. This is season two, episode six of the We Are Wayfarers podcast. And today we sit down with some more of our dear friends, Phil and Marsha Miller. Phil and Marsha have been our co-workers, our marriage mentors. They've pastored our kids alongside us and they have walked closely. They have loved deeply and they have served faithfully. And so we're so grateful that they're here to share some of their perspective and their example with you. Well, welcome back, everyone. We're so grateful that you are with us. We're grateful to have some dear friends of ours with us. We have the Millers joining us right now, and so we're so thankful for them. Uh, For the folks that have been following along uh, for quite a while now, or even just for a little bit, this season, uh, you you already know that what we've been hoping to do is just weave in voices of fellow wayfarers, people that are very near and dear to Team Woods, all the while just kind of trying to hopefully keep with the main thrust of the whole season, and that is simply... It matters who is in your circle. It matters who you're wafering with. All of us need truth tellers and grace givers and the reminder that we do not wayfare alone. And so today, our guests are Phil and Marsha Miller, some of our most favorite people on planet Earth. And uh, we are excited to introduce them to you. So you guys will say, hey. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> it works. So, yeah. so far, so good, Perfect. right? Yeah. Thanks. Um, well, I, uh, we're so thankful for you guys We and, and being able to have this time right now. Um, it's like every other time we have with you, it's a blessing. And so our hope in this time is just to kind of allow the conversation to go where it would naturally go when we're at your house eating breakfast at whatever hour. Right. And so, um, maybe a little bit of backstory though, uh, from when you guys came into our lives, I mean, it, I, I would say the most clear was when we had the opportunity, Phil and I served on staff together at a local church. And so um, that's when you showed up in our lives, I think, pretty sure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, these people are beautiful conduits of encouragement and um, they are people who spur us on in our walk. And so I know that you'll hear that as you speak with them as they talk a little bit about themselves. But do you guys want to just kind of share just a little bit about who you are and and uh, what you do and, and, and how you do it? Kind All of. the things, yeah. <laughs> or some of the things. Yeah, well, we, um, we have been married for 37 years, and most all of them have been amazing, especially these later years. <laughs> I, Most? I, encourage, I encourage those to keep walking because it just gets better and better as the years go on. But um, yeah, we have two beautiful children and a, and a great son-in-law, um, a granddaughter and two precious foster grandbaby boys. And um, yeah, we do. We just love doing life together, having fun and, and doing ministry together. Um. Meeting 39 years ago, uh, I was on traveling for the school I went with, or went to in the summer and had 10 weeks on the road. You guys know the road life. Yeah. The college and the first tour. week out of the gate, I went to Elizabethtown uh, for a vacation Bible school, representing the school, and uh, met Marsha. And we had two or three times of really deep conversations and just sparked like, I want to know this girl more. And uh, the Lord just kind of kept making a way for us to be together and hang out. And uh, yeah, I was thinking this morning that um, our first encounter was serving together because it was vacation Bible school. He was the missionary and I was teaching a vacation Bible school class. So we started out, you know, first thing before we even knew each other. Um, kind of serving together. So I thought that was kind of cool. Mm. And that's been, uh, that's kind of been our MO since we started. We've yeah. been in the local ministry in uh, four churches 
actually, yeah, and uh, repeated now in one. We're back at our original church that we started with. And um, we've been a team. I didn't recognize it as much at the beginning because I was young and dumb and wanted to kind of hog it all to myself. And Marcia's smiling so much right now. <laughs> oh, and she deserves to be a very patient lady. And uh, But as we continue to serve, uh, I realized the value and the resource of doing this as a team. And uh, it's just been a blessing. And then as our kids got old enough uh, to allow them to start serving mm. with us. And as a dad in the ministry, to be on stage or be wherever and you turn and all the whole family mm-hmm. is doing it together. Mm-hmm. And it's like... No greater joy. Thank you, God. Serving, you know, yeah. like, that's unbelievable. So Serving together as a family. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, to watch them as, as they've grown into adults and take that on their themselves mm-hmm. and wanting to serve and be a part of church. And it's just really neat. To, to get to sit back and watch a little bit of that mm-hmm. and uh, see how they've touched people's lives. Yeah. And that's that's pretty cool. So that's a little bit of us. Um, well, watching you guys do that um, in the context of when when Phil, you and Ben were working at the same local church and our Ezra was in your ministry area, that's just something that struck me, something that I noticed right away, that the two of you are just always together serving Um, pouring into the people that have been entrusted to your ministry area, to your care, and you're just both doing it alongside each other. And that's um, something that is so obvious for anybody who encounters you, but has has been such um, an inspiration for me as a a ministry wife, as as a person um, who's We've always kind of had that idea, too, that whatever we're going to do, we're going to do it together. Where we go, we go together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever it looks like, whatever it is, it's together. It's unified. And, yeah, you guys exude that example so, so clearly. I mean, whether in, in every expression from seeing it where you're loving on kiddos or, or being with people. I mean, I think about just your home, uh, the whole thing is designed to be with people and be present with people together. <laughs> I mean, and all the way to the other end of it, of nearly burning a church down with a microwave and marshmallows. We don't have to Re- resurrection rolls. Yeah, resurrection rolls. Don't do resurrection yes. rolls in the microwave when you burn down the yeah. church. See, so there, you know, that is the thing. There's always practical things that we're hoping to <laughs> offer. And, and if you serve on staff at a church or you just got an idea... Um, just pause before you follow through with that idea because it could save everyone a lot of everything, right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I had to make room for that. I, I, like that is too good of a story. Yeah. Well, and we we did find out commercial microwaves are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're watching every penny of a children's ministry budget. And the church administrator comes and says, that's on you. It's coming out of your budget. (laughs) Wow, that hurt a lot. (laughs) Uh, But obviously, watching you guys do ministry together, watching you guys do life together made it something we just wanted to learn more from. So we've kind of just, we asked you to be our marriage mentors and you've invited us into your home and into your lives and shared so much about... um, you know, your journeys and what God is teaching you um, with us. And you've, um, like, you've loved not not only us and invested into our marriage, but into our family. Like, you know our kids. You love our kids. We have spent many meals <laughs> around your table eating bacon and angel Thick biscuits. Thick bacon. Not just any bacon. Oh, yes. um, The angel biscuits. <laughs> Legendary. When Legend. ministry teams get together, you yeah. have angel yeah. <laughs> yeah. But oh, oh, we have a button for that too. Yeah, I don't know where it is. Ezra found it a yeah. while back. But like even oh, and I got to give a shout out to that banana bread French toast stuff. Um, for, sorry for anyone that's listening while you're hungry. But like be I hungry. Yes. Yeah. Um, but but just like Crystal said, like you've 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 loved us. And you've known us and you've welcomed us into 
not just your space, but your life, but like you've, you've made such a connection beyond just Crystal and I. You've, you've been intentional to know our Ezra and to know our Kala and to know our Lila. And that is, that is such a beautiful expression of just like you're saying, ministry team, like mentality, ministry mindedness in the way you see your marriage, in the way you see your family, in the way that you see life in all of it. I know growing up, uh, I grew up in church. My mom and dad were very involved in church. And that was what I experienced as a kid. Hmm. Uh, my mom was a great cook. And we had a tiny house, but she was always ready to have people over. And I didn't realize it at the time. And I don't even think they realized what they were doing. But uh, it just became, it became something that was just, organic i guess but she used what she had mm -hmm. to, yeah. to just minister to people and uh touched a lot of people and and so and i think her uh marcia's she had the same situation growing up with her family and so it was just that's what you do you know and it's you know ministry comes in various forms and hospitality yeah. is probably one of the easiest ways to connect to people and and we don't take advantage of it like we should and i think uh you know marsh has got that gift and it's not all about the frills and the doilies and all that it is about good cooking <laughs> <laughs> and and then just making a home um comfortable yeah. You know, yeah and letting people in and you just don't know where it's going to lead and and that is the for us i mean we get more joy out of that than programming and all that stuff at church, uh, which is important, and we enjoy doing that as well. But having people in our home and just kind of pouring in and allowing, you know, it, it's the paradox of church. You, you can try to, to pour into other people, and every time you do, you're just going to get more out, mm -hmm. you know, from them. <laughs> you know, because we shake our heads all the time whenever we... You know, you guys are touching base with us. Hey, let's get together. And we're like, why do the cool why? kids want to hang out with a bunch of old people? We love Team Wood so much. It's like, why in the world do they want to come over? But I'll, I'll keep cooking bacon and, and biscuits. But yeah, I always teased Phil that he married his mom. And like, Don't do that. Don't do that. But, yeah. um, and even, you know, my mom, she's 92 and she's still baking pies and taking food to to those who are are grieving or just lost someone you know that's and she doesn't she thinks we do so much um and and then i'm like mom look you know <laughs> you're driving to take somebody food you know today so we've been blessed by mentors in our life too you know especially family and setting those examples for us well and it's it's a love language i mean it's a it's a you know like you were just talking about like you're allowing togetherness and i think in a at the pace of so many people's lives right now the hurried dynamic that is unfolding for so many where you feel that pressure this kind of modeled marriage and family ministry approach it allows the things to slow down and that when things slow down and that togetherness has space to mature well it naturally is going to grow closer and deeper Right. And I and then you come away spurred on, you come away encouraged, you come away filled up because you've you've poured out what God has poured in. And so have the other people. Right. Mm -hmm. I, Yeah. And you guys just kind of live your lives that way. And so I can't imagine how many people you've impacted throughout the years of of um, your hospitality and your encouragement and just your willingness to enter in. Um, and specifically when I think about our family, um, the way that you have discipled not only us, but also our kids, um, both Ezra and Kala um, would say you guys are some of their favorite people. <laughs> um, and you played a very big, a very special role in some really big spiritual steps for them. Do you guys want to talk about that for just a little bit? 
Well, getting to be the family pastor at the church and uh, at a time when your kids were rolling through, mm-hmm. uh, especially for Ezra and, and Kala, uh, getting to hang out with them. And one of the things that I've always uh, counted it a real privilege and, and honor to be able to do is whenever that moment comes in a child's life where they're ready to go, okay, I, I get this. I, I'm ready to open my heart up to the Lord, or I want to know more about that. And having those conversations, sitting down with a, with a kid and maybe a mom and dad that are there with them and have those um, conversations with them, I, I, that never gets old. And uh, having the opportunity to do that with uh, Ezra and Kala, uh, very, very sacred space to me. You know, I, that's words that you guys use a lot. Uh, but yeah, I treasure treasure those times, and I do remember you know the conversation in the office with uh, Ezra when he was coming through. <laughs> uh, dude, he just the kid's mind never stops. <laughs> <laughs> He's always always wanting to push the envelope to find out what's beyond the just the basic answer. You know, you you can't just tell him a basic answer. He's got to dig a little deeper yeah. and find out what is beyond yeah. uh, that answer. And, uh, you know, after you do it a while, you kind of have a routine as what you're, you know, what you're going through. There was, he, he, he stopped at every point and we had to go, normally it would take me about 45 minutes to kind of have that talk. I think we went about two hours. It was, it was beautiful though. Cause I remember, cause with Ezra, you know, for me. Oh, and, and the whole time, every time I look at you, you're grinning ear to ear. Yeah. Oh, yeah, getting a little bit of yes. what I have every yes. day. Yeah, because I think one of the, the beautiful things that we've tried to do with each of our kids is is protect the that debrief time to have have natural space where they're they feel the freedom to talk about all kinds of things. Big questions, little questions, crazy ideas, you know, everything. And I mean, I remember Ezra even in that, like this is typical preacher's kid. Um when you you'd mentioned you just brought you even said the word baptism he's like well baptizo in the greek is dip <laughs> submerge or plunge and it's just like preacher's kid and so like but i i think and, for me and i have to say that is the one and only time <laughs> yeah i've even brought that up yeah. in a conversation <laughs> with a kid and it was brought up by yeah. but it it uh i know for me I I was and I think I it's I've been marked by some of the ministry that I've been permitted to do where I've got to serve a lot of college age young adults that as they're taking steps of faith and they're they're they they recognize I I have to own this step some of them are thinking about how have I have I taken this step before and like am I was it somebody else's decision? Is it my decision? And I think I would say a phrase that you told me that has always ministered to my heart was I, I believed that Ezra was ready in the same way that when it came time for Kala, I like I we'd had enough conversations that I'm like, I, I, I think he gets it. But it was that thing of like, I want to make sure I don't want him to be the kid that goes off to college and be like, yeah, uh, mom and dad just made me, you know what I mean? Like I, I didn't, I didn't want any room for that. And I remember you saying a phrase that was simply the reminder that Jesus doesn't call us to understand everything. He calls us to believe. And this kid understands a lot, but this kid believes. And I, that brought so much comfort to my heart in the way that I'm trying to shepherd my son in that moment. Um, it was just, it was so good to witness it all, to see it all. Um, and, and it'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm not crazy. Like, um, this is not just the preacher and the preacher's kid that, that thinks his kid is, is ready to take this step and own it himself. Yeah. And when it came time for Kala to have those conversations, um, you had, moved into a different season and weren't at the the church as her pastor, but she she still thought of you as her pastor. And so when we asked her, who do you want to sit down with? Oh, Mr. Phil. Without, no, without hesitation. No hesitation. Um, and so you got to have that conversation with our Kala as well. 
And that was uh, that was really neat. Uh, we were up in a not in an office, but we were in an office area in a house. Um, but there was a little bit of uh, busyness in the building, mm-hmm. you know, in that in that house. Several offices, several people doing stuff, and we were at a, a large conference table, uh, just the two of us. And I gotta say it. For the conversation with Kala, it was the first time in having, I don't know how many of those conversations I've had, the first time that I was conversing with someone that I really felt like knew Jesus. Mm. And, uh, you know, I've said on numerous occasions, and I've had that conversation with people, uh, with kids, a lot of them know who Jesus is. They know of Jesus. They want to know more about Jesus. But she really was the first one in just the, the way she was answering her passion. The girl knew Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and was known by Jesus. Uh, you could just feel it. And I was taken back by it. And the interesting thing is, as we're having these conversations this talk, I mean, some of the answers that she's given me, they're taking me back a little bit, but other people that were moving around the office, several of the, you know, the college girls that are a part of the ministry and know her and are a part of her life, you could just see them being drawn into the conversation, mm-hmm. trying not to be, yeah. you know, not, but, you know, I look over my shoulder and two of them are right there at the kitchen bar area just leaning over, <laughs> just drawn in yeah. to the conversation. And uh, it was it was a real spiritual moment for me mm. uh, to be a part of that because the girl, she knows Jesus. And, uh, you know, that, that was an incredible time uh, in that conversation. And I knew it, it was kind of um, solidified when I would catch others being drawn in mm. to hear what she had to say. And you could just, I got, I catch glimpses and they'd be like tearing up or <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a, I know that girl, <laughs> you know, and, and just proud of her. Yeah. And that was really, that was really unique. And it is a, it, like I said, it is a real honor to be able to be a part of that. And I'll never get, it never gets old being in the room. Um, when the light bulb comes on in the life of a kid. I've, I've been on stage, you know, and, and leading and 50, 60 kids in the room and you make a statement or, or something happens and you actually, you can see it when a kid gets it. And then also being in those one-on-ones mm-hmm. when they kind of know, but then all of a sudden, Jesus did that for me. Mm-hmm. Never gets old. Yeah. And our Cala had been asking to be baptized for a long time. <laughs> we had had those conversations a lot, read through those um, those key scriptures a lot. Um, and uh, it really meant a lot to know um, that other people were seeing that readiness um, like we were. Um, like we weren't crazy. Yeah. I mean, like all, all of her, the, as a, a little scribe, you know, and remember she, this little girl reading she her Bible, like she's just copying scripture. I mean, she's just writing out. Like, and, and one of the beautiful gifts that I think God has given us is we have, pages. we have, we have pages and pages of scripture in her handwriting. <laughs> um, everything from like straight up Genesis 6. So like Nephilim stuff. For real stuff, Genesis like, 6. Like, I mean, like where it's just like, okay, she's definitely been Woods' kid. Um, <laughs> like that she's willing to like dive into some, some straight crazy stuff. But also just, I mean, so many passages in the gospel um, and it's in her handwriting. Um, so yeah, like to have those moments that not just confirm that we're not crazy, but that others see this readiness in her that we're not imagining ourselves. Yeah. 
but also just solidifying the idea and the knowledge that she knows people, she knows who to talk to about deeper things. She knows who is pastoring her, who is going to invest into her, who um, is going to love her and walk through these really key moments um, with her. Um, And if I can just, um, going back to the hospitality I don't know that we were intentional about it when mm-hmm. our kids were young. I just, we had a sense that bringing people into our home that we loved and we thought were awesome and we wanted to hang out with, what we were also doing was giving mentors yeah. to our kids mm-hmm. that were going to say the same thing we were going to say, but at some point in time, we don't, we're not cool anymore. And kids don't want to hear, but they'll listen to one of our friends in that conversation, and those people are modeling the same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I heard many years ago at an Orange conference, you know, parents are so worried about the kid, the friends their kids pick, and they're like, you need to be worried more about the friends you pick. Yeah, yeah. And people that are doing life with you that your kids are watching. And because one of these days, they're going to probably be the ones that are going to say the most profound thing that really helps that kid digest something deep and profound about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hopefully parents get to be that person, but sometimes you need somebody else to say it. And we, I don't know that we were doing it intentionally, mm-hmm. but that's what happened. And then after, you know, looking back and going, man that we were very fortunate to have some really unique people in our life that our kids still lean into for advice to see something modeled that the way they watch somebody do it, then they're going to do it that way. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, the Lord kind of through our bumbling and stumbling, uh, blessed us with that. And then that became like a culture code for, yeah, for us is like that's we we have to keep doing that yeah you know for grandkids and for other people but then you know also if we can help that be that person in some other kid's life uh for for a family then we got to do that and that's where those kind of things happen in in a home yeah and and in those get-togethers and hanging outs and backyards and tree houses and all that kind of stuff so just the blessing of having um, your friends praying for your children, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that support, um, and knowing that, knowing that your friends truly love your children and are praying truths into them and, and praying over them. Yeah. We've talked a lot this season about a circle, building a circle around yourself, um, of trusted voices, the, the people that you wayfare home with, um, and touched briefly in the last, or one of our previous episodes about, um, how you do that for your kids too, but you're surrounding them with those trusted voices, just like you're saying that um, you are curating a circle for them as well and kind of setting an example and introducing some of the first members. And that's just um, your privilege and your responsibility as a parent. Um, And you guys have certainly been beautiful parts of our circle and our kids' circle. Um, and even as our story kind of transitioned to harder places, you guys still were present and you still stepped in. Um, even when we were, you know, hours away in Cincinnati, you guys still made time to come and you had some precious moments, um, with our Cala, even in those, those kind of desperate places, um. And that's just such a blessing to us. Like that, that's something that means so much to us still. Um, and, and I know Kala was so glad to see you guys and to get those hugs and, um, ice cream, Yeah, ice cream, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so when we were, when you guys called us, when she was, um, at the hospital and, and said she wanted to see us. And again, we're just in awe and so honored that, that, we were a part of her life and, and that she wanted us there. You know, we couldn't wait to get there. But um, for us just to be able to come up and bring a smoothie or, or yeah. ice cream or and, and just 
even I know one time we were just in the waiting room. Um, we want it to be close to you, even though we weren't with you or, you know, in the room with Calla. The fact that we were we were there and able just to to pray over you guys um, during that tough tough season, you know, an honor and a privilege for us to be able to do that, and just we we have been ministered by Calla's story through Calla's journey by Calla, um, you know, over and over again and deeper and deeper and deeper, um, just just the time that we're spending in this ministry in the Brave Way home now and um, it it is discipling us you know you call us our, our you call us your mentors but we've talked about this you know you guys are mentoring us you're discipling us you're drawing us closer to Jesus and it's you know it's an honor a true honor mm-hmm. for us that uh, we're thankful to the Lord that we get to be a part of and, uh, you know, that, that time in Cincinnati, getting to hang out with her and beginning to see, like, this isn't just a kid in the hospital. This is, this is real. This is the uncertainty of what was to unfold. Uh, but still, in the midst of that, you still see a little glimmer in that girl's eye. Mm-hmm. And, and she's wanting to take care of us mm-hmm. you know and 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 let us know how much she appreciated us coming you know when she's facing all of that and then she's pouring into us that that was a very unique time and um and you know one other time we got to be up there when we didn't really get to see you guys there was uh, intense stuff going on upstairs in the room and but uh, getting to hang out with your dad, mm-hmm. Ben, um, sitting there, and it, and it, and then watching from a grandparent's perspective, walking that journey, and not being able to be as hands-on as you want to be, you're you're, you know, a little bit of helplessness, but seeing his strength and like. He's one of the anchors of this family, and um, but yeah, sitting down there and having a conversation with him, and listening to him trying, really trying to process this whole thing because who's prepared for any of this? And um, it was just it was a unique time to be there listening and then just recognizing, oh man, he's he's hurting too, and he's feeling this and kind of has to do it from the outside because of you know the situation that he can't get into the room and walk in and and be a part of it because of restrictions and all those other kind of things and and just recognizing man this is this is deep for everybody this is profound and it's it's so confusing at times you know and you've got this great love you know, for your granddaughter, and you can't do anything about it. You know, yeah. that's the... Uh, and just being there in that moment to watch that rawness come out in him. Uh, but but with doing it with such dignity and grace and mm-hmm. trust mm-hmm. In, in the Lord. But it was, it was a sacred time for me that I'll never forget. Um, yeah. Um, and when, when Calla was rescued, um, we prayed over what voices we wanted, um, to speak at her homecoming celebration. Um, we asked one person to share about Calla from like a a family perspective. We asked somebody else to share from like a friend perspective. Um, we asked our sweet teacher to, to share about Kala and who she was at school and who she, who she is to her friends. Um, um, and then we asked Mr. Phil to speak about Kala from her pastor's perspective. Um, and that's just such a, a, a beautiful, um, a beautiful perspective that is unique to you. And so do you want to talk just a minute about 
that experience and of about Cal's um, homecoming celebration? Well, I mean, you would think under the circumstances that it would be a dreadful, dreadful time. And I'm sure there are moments that, that it was for everybody involved, but coming into that experience and I, I, celebration cannot capture what we got to be a part of that day. And, um, yeah, and, and a lot of that goes to you guys and how you prepared. I can't imagine parents having to think about preparing for something like that. But it had started days and weeks earlier as, uh, you know, listening to an earlier podcast of, of Megan White sharing how intentional you guys were uh, in preparation of taking walking your daughter home and, uh, and to her to her eternal home but a lot of that you know being able to capture her Cal's heart uh, for loving the party uh, having thrown a massive thousand people dance party <laughs> you know like and, and having uh, just celebration of a beautiful life and, and watch that unfold and being able to talk to people that were there that didn't even know who Cala was personally, but knew who Cala was and were drawn to that and wanted to be a part of that celebration. And in the middle of that, uh, I mean, whenever you get to, draw, to, to look into a, a kid's life and see that she knew Jesus. I mean, she she knew who Jesus was, and and was known by Jesus. And all you got to do is just kind of highlight things that you saw, things that you witnessed in her life, and and then the profoundness of like she's transitioning. You know, it's not uh, going to a place of rest. She's <laughs> she's transitioning to a place of battle. Uh, she did her battle here, you know, um, the song that kind of uh, was was a theme song for her, uh, two, two of them that I remember uh, specifically, uh, I'll go with you anywhere, the, the words of that one song, I'll go with you anywhere, wherever you lead me, and then the other one was the, uh, uh, raise a hallelujah. yeah, raise a hallelujah, and the words that my weapon is a melody. I don't think that that one line probably captured Cala more than anybody. That um, the girl loved to dance, she loved to sing, she loved music, and and she just loved to to inspire people to do the same. But also, when you unpack that line and think about at a spiritual level. She was doing battle every day with her joy. You know, the joy that that girl had, has in her life is, is what she was doing battle with. And as, as contagious as it was to be around her, for Satan, it was horrifying. <laughs> you know? And, and, and as she was transitioning and being rescued to heaven, knowing that now she's stepping into that spirit, spiritual realm that's not going to stop that joy is going to kick the gates of hell down you know and 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 provide rescue for other people and uh, that's all i like whenever we were speaking that day that's that's what i i just i couldn't get past that is uh I, I i for me that was doing something for my heart and yeah her joy and her enthusiasm and passion for Jesus is a weapon against evil. And I don't know that she recognized that as a little nine-year-old, but that's exactly what she was doing. And uh, there's a, John Elliott is a spiritual mentor I had many years ago. And his thing was, you know, one of his statements is, you know, I want to be known in heaven and feared in hell. Kala. Mm -hmm. As a nine-year-old, carried mm. that mantra. Mm. 
Yeah. I don't think she knew it, but she did. And she was not only known in heaven, but people, you know, spiritual forces were aware of her uh, in places that we don't want to talk about because they know her, the joy that she had and, and continues, I know, to have uh, in heaven. But Well, and one of the things that I will never forget about that day and, and at the end of, of um, your part in that, you looked into Ben and Crystal's eyes and said, well done. And she had that joy because you taught her that joy. You taught her about Jesus. You know, you poured into her so that she was ready at nine to do that battle. And well done, you know. Christian parenting and discipling your children is so important, you know, and every day, like, I just retired from the school system, and those kids need that, um, the influence from God's Word poured into them, because they are facing battle every day, so we continue to say, well done, well done. I think we've often found ourselves just embracing the reality that this is this is the race marked out for us. And we want to walk it faithfully and fruitfully and humbly. That doesn't mean it's not messy. That doesn't mean it, it doesn't hurt deeply. Um, but we, we know the, the race marked out for us. And I think one of the things that God has, has done is given us that perspective to recognize this is not all there is. And that only helps, I think, parents or anyone else that has the privilege of pouring into other people to recognize just what's at stake, the, the magnitude of what, what is at, at stake. And I... You know, when I think about, well, as as God has taken so much of our pain and redeemed it and is redeeming it in the present progressive tense, of, there's plenty of pain for him to work with here. Um, and it runs deep. And we don't want to be the people who keep it from him. We, we want to live open-handed in such a way that we are offering it to him for him to take these wounds, these pains, and bring healing to other people through them. And that, in so many ways, has been the birth of the Brave Way Home. You know, we've said many times, um, the vision of the Brave Way Home to us has been an answer to prayers and petitions that have come back to, God, can you still use us? Or are we just too broken? Is this too hard for us to be used by you? And the gift has been the brave way home. And you are some of the first people, you know, um, we shared with our family. We've shared with very select people that we felt prompted to share with and um, invite them into this is what God is stirring in us. And, and you guys have, it's not, you never left. Like you entered in and you stayed present and you entered in in a deeper way as we've embraced the brave way home. And so my mind, I've got a gazillion questions, I suppose. So I don't want to pin, pin you down anything, but like, talk about that a little bit. Like talk about, um, how you have entered into, this ministry in this way, your roles, your heart in which what you're doing, but even what has maybe resonated, what has captured your heart with what the Brave Way Home is all about? Well, I'm, um, I've been a part of the team kind of from the back row. And uh, recently, Crystal has pulled me up to the front row <laughs> and um, asked me to be on the advisory board. Um, or advisory committee um, with the lookout for the left out. So trying to um, 
to get the message into schools, uh, telling Calla's story to children, you know, her age and and seeing what what powerful things um, can be done for those being left out. Um, that's where Calla's heart always was. So it's funny that um, when Crystal asked me to do that, <laughs> I had been listening to your all's podcast about, and, and um, Crystal, you said, being obedient to the opportunity that God invites you into. <laughs> it's really, Crystal, first of all, well played. <laughs> but it was really sneaky how you laid that out. Yeah, and, and will I say no or um, yes and walk into it? And I was like, oh, Crystal. <laughs> you, you know, we all feel like we're, we don't have... We're not we're not equipped to do that, and Lord, why are you asking me to do this? And and um, and just the timing of me being retired and having some extra time now to to do to do that. So of course I I said yes, um, and and we're just starting on that. But it it's a privilege. It's terrifying, you know. And and I'm just trusting God through your all's discipleship. Um, to open my eyes, open my hands, open my heart to what he has um, in in doing great things because he can do so much more. So it's been, it's it's a privilege to do that. We're at the beginnings and and um, I just know God's going to do bigger things with it. I think a, I, I think a lot of that has to do with um, that's exactly where God wants you. You know, he doesn't want us coming in with full confidence in ourselves. You know, uh, hamstring, hamstring the horses and get rid of the chariots. Yeah, so you can fully rely on me and, and my presence. And so, like, but the key there is having open hands. And, you know, what we have seen with you guys is, you know, we know the pain and the mess and the uncertainty that you guys had to walk through and the helplessness as a parent to, you know, my child is going through this and I can't do anything about it. You know, I can't change it. I can't crawl into that bed and take her place. And But you guys forged, a, forged ahead. And, and now you're, you have your hands open and your hearts open and your eyes open to go, God, how, how can we help somebody else with what we're going what we have journeyed through and what we are journeying and you know that's just been an example for us you know is you know and I, I know I've had conversations with other people that know you guys well and they just shake their head and go, I don't know how they can do that and I'm like I don't know how they can't do it any other way <laughs> that's just who they are and that's they're just open hands and open hearts and open eyes uh, to let the Lord lead, and for for me, that's what has resonated. Um, and where you guys have brought language, you have simplified language, and you've given handlebars for people to hold on to uh, these eternal truths that have been there since Scripture was penned, but that this is not our home. That's what resonates more than anything for me it's something that I felt for many many years that I got to watch my dad walk through a journey with cancer uh, for 18 years and um, you know the profound moments of, of watching him go through that was when he first got a diagnosis when he was uh, uh, 63 years old he got the diagnosis that he had bladder cancer and you know so my brother still lived in town with him, but was not in the home. He was, you know, had his own home with his family. So, you know, I can remember my mom saying, well, as soon as we got the diagnosis, we called your brother. Because he's the oldest, you know. So he got the first call. I got the second call. Third call was to the church to ask for the elders to come and pray. And uh, I remember us flying home so we could be a part of that. But, you know, understanding that Man, that was right where he wanted to go. Family, and then call on scripture. The prayer of the elders, you know, 
laying hands on them. And so that was the first thing that happened. Is you know it wasn't a last resort, last ditch effort while he's laying in the bed, ready to 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 be rescued. It was his first instinct. Uh, I think Corey Ten Boom. I think I remember her a quote that she said that you know when it comes to our prayer life, is Jesus the steering wheel or the spare tire? Hmm. And I think for a lot of people, it's that spare tire. It's that last ditch. But, you know, for my dad, it was the steering wheel. And and I think that's where God was, you know, he battled with it for 18 years. And and in that 18 years, you would have never known he ever had cancer. You would have never, people were surprised when they found out that he had it. Um, but the, the other profound part, as uh, he was facing a pretty dicey surgery, uh, they were going to have to... Uh, do some uh, work with uh, where the cancer was around his bladder and his kidney and stuff. But he's like, hey, it's a win-win. If, if God, for whatever reason, spares me and allows me more time, it's a win for me to be with my family and to influence other people. If it doesn't go that way, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. <laughs> so it's like... Um, and, and just hearing his joy of the expectation of what's next, um, it, it really was profound in my life uh, for, to, to witness that. And no, it wasn't just lip service. It was real. And, um, and those and, ahead of us that are, that are in heaven, you know, you said Cal is in front, and she's in front of us now. Yeah. And um, arms open. And just to, to be able to reunite with family and and precious precious daughters and, and fathers and, and just be in the presence of Jesus be yeah. in the presence of the almighty God yeah our you savior know, uh, what is what is to be feared in that and and I think for the brave way home that for me when you ask what resonates like really drawing a, a great emphasis back to that because it's it's there. It's deep in Scripture. It's there. But sometimes we just get so caught up in the present. Mm. And we forget the present is only a preparation for mm. the future. And um, seeing a lot of things that families go through. And they're just so caught in this present day. And they don't see what's going to happen 50 years, 100 years from now. And they're not making preparations for that. They're trying, you know, to get their kid to college or whatever, which is important. But if, if it's at the expense of eternal, man, yeah. that, that, and so that being able to clear a path, not only what you guys are journeying through, but to clear a path for other people to walk that same journey and have like practical language and, um, a common language and and handlebars i've been i think uh, what you and crystal do uh with you you give us practical simple things that we can remember and hold on to that lead us to the next step and and even when we take a step back <laughs> we remember well here's the step forward every step we take is spiritually formative even <laughs> steps backwards yeah yeah, yeah. And I think that also that speaks to the way we see discipleship. You know, I think we we see discipleship through a life on life lens of inviting people to come close and thinking about whatever moments we're entrusted with in their presence, whether it could be a conversation, it could be we could have weeks, months, years running alongside them in some unique way. I, I always come back to discipleship to me has so much more to do with what tools am I putting in their backpack that better equip them to be faithful to Jesus and know that they are loved by Jesus and to know how to love others like Jesus so that they would know that we cannot save ourselves. <laughs> like, like, but the best part is you're not expected to because um, that's his job. And when we come to terms with that, 
a whole bunch of changes, right? And and I think some sometimes it's easy to find ourselves boiling discipleship down, this way of learning to follow Jesus as the things that we show up for or attend. And those aren't those aren't bad at all. I don't I don't want it to sound that way. I'm just saying there's so much more richness to the way that we equip one another in discipleship through tools and biblical posture and perspective, that mindset, than the thing to show up for. Well, and, you know, the, the people show up for it at different times, you know. Um, as I said earlier about watching when, a, when the light bulb comes on. The light bulb doesn't come on for everybody at this certain date at this yeah. certain time. Yeah. And so if if they're if they're not ready at that point, they're going to miss it. And then if we don't provide them another opportunity, you know, it's the it's the steps not programs kind of thing, but having that ready, having these tools ready, putting them in their backpack on a continual basis so when that light bulb comes on at that moment, that's when they have those tools ready. Uh, having those, you know, like especially for families, talking about those milestone events. A lot of times parents are, you know, they're just trying to get through the week and they're getting their kids at church and, you know, they're trying to get them into programs and stuff like that. But there are times in every family's life, milestones, that, man, they are really open at this point in time. You know, when, when young parents, when they have that baby... All of a sudden, it's a spiritual thing. Like, oh my gosh, God has put this child in my hands. I don't know what I'm doing. And they lean in a little bit. And if you're ready to give them tools at that point, or when they're getting ready to get on that school bus for the very first time, and you're letting them out of your control for a long part of their day, and parents at that point are ready to lean into God a little bit more and go, help me with this. And if we are ready to give them tools at that point or crossing into middle school or when they get that driver's license and a little bit of freedom or when you're packing that bag to send them like this time of year as they're all, yeah. you see all these college kids packing up their in their dorm rooms and stuff. That's when parents are really open to deeper spiritual things and that's not a program that is at that moment for this family I need God to help me journey and what we're doing with the Brave Way Home I think is offering tools that whenever that family comes to whatever milestone it is we put some things in their backpack to help them mm -hmm. uh, grow deeper in their own walk but then also help wayfare with their kids in that area so for me that that is what is exciting for the future of the Braveway home is preparing folks at the time when they're taking that in pivotal step whatever it is that we put something practical in their bag for that step yeah i i something we say all the time is what's heavy on our heart is prepare the church prepare the church ready the church um and I, I mean, so much of the ministry expressions that we're getting to participate in, whether it's school assemblies or speaking and teaching in different churches, hoping to be a collaborative voice or even for God to use us as a catalytic voice um, in, in the life of a, a local church somewhere. I, it, it's going to come back to that same heartbeat of how is heavenly thinking invading your earthly living? How, how is... How are we calling and equipping fellow wayfarers to a deeper living? Because that deeper living, well, that's what will be so necessary for people far from God to encounter. Because otherwise, they won't recognize their need for Jesus. And so, I we are so thankful for you guys. Um, so thankful for you. The way you have helped us steward our gifts, our passions, and our story um, so that every bit of it would be yielded faithfully, fruitfully, and humbly.